Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Really pleased to be joined once again by my colleague, UEFA A licensed coach and PDP technical advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you going? I'm really good, thank you. How are you, mate? Good. Looking forward to this conversation. We've got a fantastic question this week from Michelle via email, and she's sent that from Australia. Michelle says, sometimes I feel like I use Q&A too much in my communication style. Can you talk through the different types of intervention strategies and the benefits of them? So obviously it's a pretty intriguing question around coach communication. We don't have the age of the players, but we'll work off, uh, work off the question and try and you know, give some good suggestions to help Michelle out here. So Dan, what are your thoughts around this one? Okay, this is a really complex one, I think. So we try and sort of break it down a little bit. You know, for me, there are a few different coaching styles and there's loads and loads of different in- interventions and it'd be almost impossible to say how many different intervention strategies there are. But breaking down the sort of the, the coaching styles, if you imagine the one end, you've got command, which would be the coach telling, and the other end, you've got trial and error. And then in between, you've got question, answer, observation and feedback, and then guided discovery. I think it'd be worthwhile just sort of running through these and, and how they differ and what are the sort of the pros and cons. Yeah. So the, so the command one um, is, is coaches in charge and he tells the coach, he tells the players, sorry, what, what they're going to do. So, you know, you and I have recently completed the A licence and that was quite a command uh, situation, especially when we were at St. George's and we were working perhaps in that artificial environment with with the coaches rather than our own players. And that was a, you know, a 45 minute window to showcase what we knew as coaches rather than perhaps developing individuals. So we had to show and tell um, the players straight away and there wasn't much interaction. It was about getting the information from the from the player, from the coach to the player as quickly as possible. Um, the one touch on the question is, is question and answer. So that's me having some dialogue with you to try and get perhaps you to think about um, what's the problem and how do we fix it together? So you're handing a bit of the ownership over to the player. I suppose the, the, the challenge in this scenario is that you always presume that the player has the answer. And I think perhaps that the, the, in the Q&A scenario, it's become common where coaches use this as a default. They ask the question when perhaps they don't know the answer. Mm. So mm. It, there's an argument about should you use Q&A you know, if the player doesn't know what he's doing and, and is there is there the sort of the balance between them struggling, which is fine and, and, and you know, working things out or are they actually drowning in too much information and too much decision making and too much problems? And do you need to help them a bit with some of the answers? Then you've got observation and feedback. So that might be when you just sort of remove yourself from the practice a little bit and you give the players a chance to have a go and then you can observe and perhaps feedback you know, at the relevant times when the practice stops or if you want to, you know, run for a five minute session. So that might be a good chance to highlight good practice. So you might be able to stop it and say, Dave, that Cruyff term was brilliant because I observed it and then I'm feeding back. I liked your Cruyff term because of the way you did X, Y, Z. Then you have guided discovery. So this is where perhaps I'm setting you a few challenges. So this, you know, might be the constraint based stuff. It might be, um, uh, scenarios where, where players are put into real real problems, real football problems, loads of context, 
And then, can you show me? Can you fix this problem? Can you do it without my help? And then the skill of the coach is when do you drip in and when do you when do you step in and help them and when do you let them let them sort of suffer and get on with it? So it goes back to you know are they going to be okay and work it out? And you know are they drowning and perhaps it's too much information? And then I suppose that, that the most free is trial and error where. You, you're not helping the, the players at all. You're putting them in that scenario and, and you're seeing how they get on. And some will, will work and fix some problems and some won't. So I know I've sort of rabbled on for quite a while there, but, but that's how I sort of see the, the, the coaching styles in terms of those sort of five pillars. And then I suppose next we need to sort of dive into intervention styles and how that looks. Yeah, look, some great information there. And I think the main thing is understanding you've still got a coach within your personality. So perhaps we don't know what Michelle's like as a coach. We haven't seen her on the grass. I think it's really important that she works with her personality and makes sure she's delivering, not trying to be someone that she's not. I also think that the intervention style or the communication styles that we're talking about, I think they've got to be relevant to the individual. And I think that's really important. You've got to know your players well enough to know which players want to have a, a conversation or a Q&A and which players want to perhaps just get a bit of information and, and get on with it? Or is it a case, as you say, of driving by and just, just giving a bit of feedback on the run and potentially stepping into the session and you know living with a player? And this is something I've, I've done recently with a player who was struggling with some positional stuff. And as the game was going on, I just stepped in and walked through the process with the player and said, right, the ball's got no pressure on now, so can you defend on the back foot? And now there's pressure on, so can you get on the front foot and start to get up the pitch? And as the ball goes sideways can you move over here and just helping that player that was really struggling but not stopping the game and and just understanding that that particular individual needed attention at the time so I think knowing your players is crucial as to how you apply those um, types of communication and then how you intervene as you referred to yeah I mean it's so complex isn't it I mean the, the, those those five main pillars but you know there's there's what what's the the learner like where are they in terms of their journey you know an, an under nine player would be different to an under 19 player you know perhaps if you're preparing someone for first team it might be command it might be from a set play you stand here and this is your job there's no there's no dialogue this is this is what you do um and then it could be is it the right time to intervene so somebody might just be having a nightmare and you might you, you don't need to say dave your touch is horrific today like sometimes that sometimes the practice is which is often is, which is often yeah. thank you but, but sometimes the practice is you know, is enough and 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 all you have to do is reflect on that and come back and so it, it is very complex and it, and it could be different for each player and each scenario and the, the state of the game and whether the, the player is currently full of confidence or not and you might sometimes just be confirming what they're doing is good so that might be an intervention. So even from the sideline, just a thumbs up sometimes. Or, you know, when you try, if the player's trying something but failing, you might just say, Dave, I love that idea. And that's enough. That's still coaching. So I think it's really difficult to say, you know, here are the, here are the 20 things you can do and, mm. and this will fix your problem. Because this is, this is the skill of coaching, I suppose. It's having that toolbox of intervention styles. Is it, you know, oh, don't talk to Dave like that because it won't work. Or, you know, sometimes Dave needs a little rocket because he's he's a bit sleepy and he, he hasn't got he hasn't woken up yet. So it's about knowing your individuals, like you said, knowing perhaps where they are in terms of their development journey. And then, you know, what do they need in, in terms of their next step? And, and then I suppose we could also talk about how training looks different to games, because in training, perhaps you have more opportunity to intervene and you might have more time to have those longer chats, perhaps when you're putting the cones away, or the balls away, or you're walking back to the cars, whatever it is, it might be a chance to talk about, you know, when you get the ball here on your left foot, have you thought about addressing the ball a bit wider so you can get a bit more whip and let's have a look, you know, how, how I ask that question to, to sort of draw that out of you might be completely different to in the heat of the battle in game day, where I'd say, 
Dave, you need to do this. Mm. Or if it's in a quarter break, you might be able to find a balancing between of, okay, a little bit of this and a little bit of command. Does, does that make sense? It does. And I think it's a really, really good point to differentiate between what's happening uh, in training and what's happening on game day. And I think obviously we want to try and design sessions that represent the game as best we can so that they're, they're getting that authentic training experience. We're trying to simulate game pressure or game game scenarios. But you know, during the game, I know there's been research done, I believe it was by John Allpress a few years ago around what or what amount of information players actually process when you're yelling or, or giving them something from the sideline. Because a lot of the time they're in a state of flow where they're immersed in the game, you're an outside observer, yet a coach will naturally just want to impose themselves if they see something because we believe, well, we've got to fix that, we've got to help that player, or we've identified weakness. When in fact, sometimes, as you said earlier, we have to let them sink or swim a little bit. And without throwing them in there, um, they're not going to have the experience and have that opportunity to work things out. So I think it's about making sure that we we can at times use the most powerful tool we have, and that's our eyes, to actually observe and say, right, this player's been caught out of position a couple of times. Let's just give him some time to see if he can work out what the solution to that problem is. And I think it's really crucial that we make sure that we differentiate between what command is and then what telling is. And I think telling is not necessarily teaching i think teaching is creating the environment where people can learn and people can be challenged or stretched and you can adapt that whereas telling is just giving the answer and then they can regurgitate that to you for me that's that's not conducive to learning which ties into some of the content on the site uh, which i would recommend blogs from mark upton learning begins when teaching stops and his recent one about are we beating them into a system which is a fantastic read for coaches We've also got a webinar on the site uh, around the non-linear journey with Mark Upton again. And of course, another great conversation with Susan Solsbrenner and Mads Davidson. Now, Mads is a pro-licensed coach working over there in China. And uh, he's had the challenge of communicating in different cultures with different languages. And Susan is a cultural intelligence expert. And we had a great chat with those guys a while back, which I'd recommend our listeners and, and viewers have a real good look at because it's worthwhile. So I think we do have to make sure that we are looking at that telling and command and making sure that command isn't a swear word. It's something that we can use when the time's right. And, uh, and of course, you know, making sure that we're using the appropriate methodologies. The, the other thing I'd like to add on that is coaching position. I think often because you're outside the pitch, whereas the players within the game, your perspective is very different. So what has the player seen that's led them to make that decision on the ball or off the ball? And if you're in a position where you might be close to the player, perhaps you will see what they've seen. So you could applaud them for making a really clever split pass or a combination play or something where you've seen what they've seen, but it hasn't come off because of technical ability. So you have to put yourself in a variety of positions. Make sure you take up um, positions on different areas of the training pitch or even on match day. And if you've got an assistant, perhaps you split the pitch and work either side or one works behind and so on. So there's a few ideas there in terms of how we can communicate that will hopefully help. Any final yeah. thoughts from you on this one, mate? I think just to touch on what you know, what you've said there. I had a, a situation a couple of weeks ago where um, a midfielder, I thought there was opportunity to switch the ball, and he was in the middle of the pitch. And this player's got a lovely passing range, and so um, in the break, I said, you know, did you see that pass to the fullback? You know, you can hit that, you can hit that, and he said, I can't see it. It's not there. Right. And so we had a really good conversation about perhaps something that I can see, which, you know, would be easy for Pogba to hit because, yeah. you know, he's an elite athlete. And in, in my sort of coaching tactical mind, I saw this pass and this would, you know, open the opposition. And he was saying to me, Dan, it's not on. Like in the game, I can't see it. Right. So he, he knew the fullback was there, but the pass was too difficult for him at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good conversation because I perhaps opened his eyes to, okay, there is a pass there. And maybe in a year time, two years time, you might be able to hit it. 
And he was he sort of opened my eyes to the fact that just because I can see all of this doesn't mean that that's actually what the reality of what's going on. So that was quite quite insightful. Mm. And then the, the 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 final point would be for me how important assistants are here because if you are coaching on your own, you tend to have that confirmation bias of seeing your players how you see them and then things happen in training and games and you talk to them in certain ways and this always happens but if you and i are working together um we might see different things but we're definitely going to have different relationships with the players which gives us opportunity to interact in different ways mm. so i think it might be one week that you lead and I'm, I'm able to observe and say oh i've never noticed how good our left back is at you know tucking around that's fantastic because sometimes when you coach you can be so focused on the ball Whereas if you're working in a two, it might be one leads and one works with individuals, or you know one works in possession and one works out of possession. It just sure. gives you that gives you that opportunity to perhaps take your mind or your eyes off the obvious, and then and then you can perhaps focus on on those individuals and help them a little bit more. Yeah, well, look, certainly a fascinating topic and plenty of ideas there, hopefully to uh, to help Michelle with her coaching down in Australia. I'm going to go away and work on my first touch after your feedback today, because as usual, it's not up to the level. Dan, thanks for your time, and we'll look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.